0: time he's had a
1: shots. what's going on guys we're back with another episode of the 50 plus one football podcast you're home for all things bundesliga and premier league and with me as always is a man who to me is like draws are to the bundesliga match day 10 of the 2020 2021 season Philly. All right, guys,
0: this week we have a whole host of topics for you. Like Lewis said, we have Draws Galore in Germany, we have Miss of the Season at Stamford Bridge, a son stunner in the North London derby, and we have a talk about COVID's effect on football players themselves.
1: Well, I'd say we'd launch right into Draws Galore because we've got so many of them to talk to you about. But the good thing is none of them were goalless. So, I think we can start with one that not anyone really pegged to be a draw. I think everyone said, Gladbach, they'll, they'll, they'll take down Freiburg. It, it won't be that spectacular and, you know, that'll be it. But how wrong were those people? I'm not saying I was one of them, by the way.
0: I think it was typical of what we've seen of Gladbach in the sense that they went ahead and just sort of
1: stopped playing Yeah, but it was really weird because they would stop playing and then they would start playing again. It was kind of like an... It was as if someone was getting, you know, reanimated every 10 minutes. Well, you look at the goal after the penalty when they went 2-1
0: down. Literally, the minute after, they equalized. It's like, well, you're clearly capable of playing that way. Why does it take you to go behind?
1: I mean, we had the same question, I think, when they played Inter. Uh, during the midweek game in, in the Champions League because it was the first time where everyone was kind of like, well, Gladbach aren't going ahead and then managing to screw up their lead in the last minute. They're actually, it actually takes them going down to produce something good. I mean, if we're going to talk about producing something good, Alessand Pliat, what a strike.
0: <laughs> Great goal. Especially after the one he was robbed of for his hat-trick midweek.
1: Oh yeah, I think the German commentators on the um, on on Sky Sports said, "Well, we'll have, there. You go. You're two goals in a game, man. Or for many of the Gladbach fans, three goals in a game, man. Alisson putting another one in.
0: <laughs> I was nice to see Breland Bolo score. I, I do. I am partial to a Breland Bolo goal.
1: Oh, especially after the uh, bicycle kick that he had the other week.
0: Oh, exactly. But." Looking at the stats, I think Freiburg were good for the two goals. I mean, they had twenty-two shots in total.
1: They they definitely were good for the two goals, but I think the this or or if you just looked at the game on paper, or you look at it on you know your one football or Sky Sports or what have you, you wouldn't see the way this game went back and forth. I mean, there were chances after chances, and even though you know obviously the more the chances ended up being on Freiburg's side with, as you mentioned, the 22 shots on goal versus Gladbach's 12. You still have to say, you know, shots on goal, Freiburg had seven, Gladbach had four. If we're going to be really nitpicky and say the uh, shot accuracy, it was pretty even. Gladbach 33%, Freiburg 31%. And I think, you know, for many games that's a good amount of uh, shots going on target. And, you know, just the ch- the chances created. There, there could have been six, seven goals in that game.
0: I think looking at where Freiburg are on the table, they're 14th at the moment. You could argue either way with this. You could argue saying, well, it's a good amount of shots for a team with half the number of points of Gladbach to have. Or you could say, well, there's a reason... They're down there, and that's because they've got such a bad conversion rate.
1: I think the Freiburg players are definitely going to be saying, you know, we're looking at this more like a 2-2 win than a 2-2 loss, if you will. And I think Gladbach also themselves will be going like, "Mm, you know, we came out of that looking not as good as we should be if we're facing Real Madrid in a few days' time, if we're going to be honest.
0: I was going to say, you've got the biggest game of your season – Coming up midweek, and you go and put a performance like that in at the weekend, it's not amazing doesn't preparation it, mentally, even.
1: No, nah, it doesn't instill uh, the footballing world with confidence, and it doesn't have Real Madrid shaking in their boots. Although, you have to say, Real Madrid, they've got enough of their own problems at the minute, don't they?
0: Definitely. I don't think no one's shaking in their boots at Real Madrid anymore.
1: <laughs> Definitely not. But I want to move on to arguably one of the best games of the weekend really and that was Bayern versus Leipzig because it delivered on every promise across the board. I mean, if you're if you if you hear the words top match of the weekend, you're thinking, "Oh, tons of goals back and forth, good passages of play," and that match brought all of it with it.
0: Yeah, I think I kind of owe the people of Germany an apology because I said it would be a boring nil-nil, like (laughs) Tottenham Chelsea was. Like it's billed as this massive game, but it delivered. I think in every sense of the word. Although I do have one little nitpick, and this is more BT sports coverage than the actual game itself. But (laughs) someone on BT did call it the Classica. It's like no.
1: Oh no, no, no! Not quite. But it, I don't know what happened. It was a game.
0: I don't know. Bayern looks so open.
1: I'll tell you one thing: Bayern are oh, looking at that. If if you if we go back to the uh, to the classic thing of you know one team always wins the draw and one team always loses the draw, Bayern were definitely. You know, I think quite happy with the point because they were chasing Leipzig for a lot of the game itself. I mean, you said it perfectly. They were open at the back, and it is something that has been, you know, the the theme of Bayern's season so far. And funnily enough, we talked about how Chelsea are going to be this amazing team forward uh, going forward, and they're going to be really shaky at the back. And I think we completely. We we had the perfect diagnosis, but for the wrong, te- wrong team, because um, that is Bayern in a nutshell this year. Going forward, amazing. You know, I don't think you have to say much when you're looking at the table and you see Bayern have scored 34 goals in 10 matches. That's that's ridiculous. It's more than three goals a game. But then you look at the goals conceded, and the last time they conceded 16 goals after 10 matches wasn't even during the Kovac era. It was during Jürgen Klinsmann. <laughs> and this is 12 years ago, when Bayern were arguably in the middle of a transition and had you know, the maybe worst manager of the last 20 years, possibly, if we exclude the interim managers they had. It was so weird, though, because,
0: I don't know, you You know how dangerous Leipzig can be. But again, we spoke about it midweek, just about how open they look at the back. Because you think you go 1-0 up against Bayern Munich, you think you try and defend that lead. Or you try and, you know, you try and hold out, you wouldn't go all guns blazing because then Bayern will just roll you over.
1: I mean, I think the interesting thing is that, you know, obviously the the game started 100 miles an hour. I mean, there was no telling which way this game was going, but it was, you know, it was tackle after tackle. It was a very, very physical game. And I, I love the way the referee let play go. I mean, it was very much Premier League-esque, the way the, uh, the physicality of the game was allowed to progress. And, you know, the referee didn't start brandishing the cards or, uh, and, you know, throwing cards out left, right, and center. Was, it was good officiating. And, you know, it was it was an open game from the beginning. And you have to say Leipzig go up by, you know, a Bayern mistake. I mean, all three goals that Bayern concede are very, very easy goals almost. And it's just the same thing, isn't it? It's them playing a high line and getting, you know, and not keeping that high line compact and squeezed. So then they just get overrun. I mean, it was just, as you said, so open. Well you look at Christopher
0: and Kunku's goal, it was Neuer's sweeper-keeper that nine times out of ten works every time. That would just happen to be that one in ten.
1: Yeah, but I wouldn't even go as far as to look at just the fact that Neuer missed the ball. I mean, I think that's the end of a chain of mistakes made leading up to that goal. Because, I mean, you have Zuda who pushes up too far and doesn't, you know, take the rest of the line with him. I mean, if you're going to put, if one center back pushes up and, you know, leave, and leaves his position, the rest of the line either have to go, they have to go with him or, or come together to form, you know, a three behind him, so to speak. So the the two fullbacks come, and, uh, come in and basically form a, th- uh, a back three. So that the one center back who's going forward to try and anticipate the ball isn't left, you know, it doesn't leave a huge hole. But the problem is Zula just went forward. No one formed together and no one went forward with him. So that Nkuku just had this massive this massive amount of space to run into. And, and all all he had to do, and he also had a perfect, or he created a perfect lane in which you know, he could he could receive a pass from. And with that one pass, the whole back line of Bayern is just, that's it, done, game over.
0: Uncharacteristic of last season's Bayern. I don't know what's going on. I think it's a weird season for everyone, really. And yeah. United play Leipzig on Tuesday night. And I, I said this, midweek game as well after Leipzig had beaten Besiktas here four three. Yeah, okay, they're yeah. scoring a lot of goals, but they're also so open at the back. And you look at that fluid front three that United have with Fernandez behind.
1: I it's mean it's gonna be an think, open
0: game on Tuesday.
1: Yeah, because I think by I mean Bayern showed that what what you can do when you have a a fluid front three going forward and a very very dangerous um attacking trio or even attacking four going forward if it's if it's Lewandowski who's getting closed down by two guys and allowed barely any room to shoot then it's going to be Müller who go, goes for it and you know same thing that you know United might be able to produce also just in the air where you think you know Leipzig with those two massive guys at the back with uh, Konate and Upamecano. Uh, they just you know, knock everything away f- out of the air. And it just wasn't the case. Because, you know, Müller scored two headers.
0: That's the best part for me, is a man who this time last season couldn't get a game under Niko Kovac. And now is completely just transformed into the player that everyone knew he was anyway.
1: Yeah, he's it's unthinkable to have Bayern without Müller. And I mean, I'm going to be very, very surprised if they can replace him at all Uh, he is he is one of those players who is literally irreplaceable
0: yeah we talk about how Barca are going to suffer when messi leaves but how are you gonna cope when the likes of Neuer and muller retire
1: yeah it's not gonna be nice that being said though jamal musiala comes on in the 25th minute for Javi Martinez, who, was, uh, who went off injured. I think it's his uh, groin, which he pulled, you know, just another row of injuries in this action-packed season, so to say. And five minutes later, produces a goal on the big stage. I mean, he steps up. He's 17, and he steps up in, you know, arguably one of the biggest matches of the season to level up five minutes after coming onto the pitch. And it didn't stop there. I mean, he was—he was—he made Angelino look like a schoolboy on that uh, on the left-hand side a couple of times. And he's—you know—he's good from distance. He's good from—he's uh, good dribbling. You know, Bayern have definitely got themselves a keeper there.
0: It's always nice when someone makes Angelino look like a schoolboy. <laughs> no bias involved in, at all <clears throat> in that, but. I hope Rashford breaks his ankles on Tuesday.
1: Ooh, getting a little biased here. But I think we've talked enough about Bayern.
0: Shall Unless we... you were going
1: to add something.
0: No, I'm. I'm more than happy to talk about Schalke again.
1: Yeah, it doesn't seem like we're ever going to be able to have an episode without talking about them, because either they're going to keep going with their losing streak, or at some point, hopefully we get to talk about them breaking said losing streak but today we talk about them adding another loss and another match to that streak it is now 25 matches since sharks last recorded 3 points on the board 25
0: like that's what most teams are going for in terms of like wins like that's most Club's win record.
1: Exactly.
0: And it's like you think most competent clubs would have had a complete reshuffle by
1: now. I don't know. It just doesn't seem to have happened because you know at this point you have to say they've analyzed, they've kicked, they've sacked the the previous manager, they brought in a new one, they've shuffled shuffled around their their they're playing squad. They've had goalkeeper changes goal. I mean, they've, they've now fielded three different keepers a season. They've managed. I mean, they've, they've suspended a couple of players. They've axed the contract with, uh, Vida What more can you really do from Shaka standpoint? I mean, at this point, the only thing that is going to get them out is the, is the staff they've got and the players they've got, using nothing but pure motivation and fight, because at this point, you cannot do more from a board level.
0: they maxed out. Why did they get rid of Vidad uh, uh, Amisabet?
1: Because I thought he was actually quite good. I mean, for a 36-year-old, he had Bundesliga experience and still had the knack for scoring goals, as he did show with uh, Hata Berlin last season, or I'd just say previous seasons, really. But it was the fact that he, Apparently uh, had a couple of disciplinary issues at Shaika and it culminated with the last week. I think I mentioned this in the last episode as well with him and the co-manager Naldo going at it in the training session, literally at each other's throats and having to be separated, which led to the training session eventually being called off and, and broken off early. I'd say this is just an issue that was the final feather that broke the camel's back. But, you know, it just shows that at at Sheikah, there are some massive, massive problems. And it's all, at some point, you have to say it's all a personal problem in that sense that you've got... um, It's not about the footballing ability anymore at some point. You have to say that there's just no team cohesion. You know, players themselves are, you know, preoccupied with themselves. And it's just, is just a team destined to be relegated.
0: Oh yeah, I don't think there's any way that they're staying up. <laughs> Sorry, I've just watched the first goal again.
1: Yeah, okay, we have to talk about that goal. Because <laughs> how a referee can give that goal for Leverkusen is beyond me. I mean, with all the crap that Shark have to deal with, that, you know, on top of it. But that ouch. doesn't help. <laughs> it really doesn't. I mean, he lit- you've literally got a center back who, you know, Aleksandar Dragovic, he's not a small guy. He's got a bit of weight to throw around. And he goes into the back of Malik Tio, and, for lack of a better word, checks him into the cross so that Tio has no option but to... He doesn't even head the ball. He- he's pushed so that his shoulder knocks the ball past his own keeper. I...
0: Is this not what VAR is for? I don't want to keep bringing it back to VAR. Because but it's you know kind of hard when you've got... There are more <laughs> problems at Shaka than that goal, but it never rains, it pours, does it?
1: That's a perfect description for Schalke at the minute. <laughs> and right now, it's just pouring. But I don't know. Can, can you not... If, if there's a lack of cohesion,
0: can you not just play like apprentices? Can you not play the under-21s?
1: I mean, well, here's the thing: you could, you probably could, but you know, I I doubt you're gonna get very far with players who are usually used to two to three leagues below, you know, professional level.
0: Yeah, but more so to sort of say to the profession, well, the professionals in inverted commas, <laughs> in the first team, like, look, you're clearly, you know, you're not doing well enough, you're not performing well enough, so I'm gonna play these people, like, even if it's like one or two people.
1: I mean, at this point, you can't really say it, it can get any worse, can you? I've I already had an 8 0 battering. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the season got off to a good start for Schalke. Yeah,
1: it really did. It just spiraled out of control from that. One thing that has to be said is, um, you know, in the interviews afterward, Malik Tio, who was the one who was fouled for the first goal, he still looks for the for the mistakes he made in that sense, and he said, you know, himself, maybe I shouldn't be with my back to to the pitch so that you know my I'm facing my own goal and that's what the problem was, which I have to say mentally that's still a big step to be taking for a 19-year-old to be looking, you know, at himself in the mirror in front of the cameras and saying stuff like that.
0: Yeah, it's it's good to have players that own scenarios like that. Because you look at when Barcelona lost the other week and they sent out that 17 year old lad. It's like that's just a lack of any leadership in the dressing room. But for him to come out and own the incident and to, to pick apart the mistakes he felt he made and not just go, oh, yeah, well, I was pushed. It's complete and utter nonsense.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Little anecdote there. Uh, Malik Tio actually started off his footballing career at the current club that I play at, Tifo Kaikunvikna, shout out. Um, serious yeah he played there he's uh he's born 2001 and he was at my local football club from 2006 to 2009 before getting scouted by fortuna so i mean obviously you know he played there from the under six to the under nine or under ten level but you know still uh produced homegrown at at the local club here mad
0: mad thing claim to fame if anything
1: uh, a little bit. I mean, for our small little club in the north of Dusseldorf, it is very much our claim to fame.
0: It's like, hey, look, one of our former players scored an own goal.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's not the fact that he really scored an own goal, is it? It was the fact that he was pushed into the ball's flight. He was, was used. Just a... Oh, you used me. Anyways, I think it's enough about the woes of Shayaka. We'll move on to another episode of the woes of Shayaka next week. I mean, I'm j- I-, I hope not, but inevitably so. That sounds like some sort of prime time drama. Like next on CBS,
0: The
1: <laughs> Woes of Schalke. I know, your weekly episode of The Woes of Schalke. Oh, Jesus Christ. It really is just sad, isn't it? But let's move on to the Premier League, where we had some, in comparison to last, uh, last week's match day, some action-packed games. Should we start with Chelsea leads? I mean, we can talk about the game in a second, but just that miss, wow. (laughs) Wow. Jesus.
0: (laughs) How much did that man cost? 60 mil. Oh, Timo. I don't know. It's probably harder to do that. Then to score in that position? Yeah. (laughs) Like,
1: I can't... I I don't know how he's done it. Okay, here's a bold shout for me. That man, as much... Or as many assists as he provides, he misses too many big opportunities for Chelsea.
0: Yeah. I can't argue with that. He has missed a fair few. I mean...
1: It's not just... It wasn't just this, you know, this weekend. I mean, we've seen it. It's almost like every weekend you could talk about a miss that Timo Vanna, you know, he's one-on-one with a keeper or something, and he still doesn't manage to score.
0: Well, I don't want to curse the man, but... And you'd have to talk to someone who watches more Chelsea games than I do, but from what i watched, I'm getting shades of Alvaro Morata. Hmm... Like, there'll be the occasional Ooh. big game goal, like when he, he scored well, he, sc- he scored twice against United in a 2-0 win at the bridge. Alvaro Morata. He scored that hat-trick against Stoke. Great. And other than that, it's just been sort of like a series of unfortunate events.
1: I'd say the one big difference, though, is that Timo Venn is always good for an assist. I mean, he assisted again to Christian Pulisic in the, in the, for the final goal.
0: Yeah, and I think, you don't want to say it, but off, you know it was after like nine minutes, that miss. Yeah. And surely it's got to play on a player's mind, because he had about three or four decent chances in that game.
1: And he didn't bury those either, did he?
0: And it gets to the point where you just sat there and you think, it's just not going to happen, is it? And then arguably the most underrated striker in the Premier League. Equalized for Chelsea,
1: big man Olivier Giroud. I mean, I have to say, he's he's probably the most uh most liked Chelsea player because he's just he, he's he's one of the guys who's so underappreciated and he still comes up big, and you, know, you just love to see it, don't you?
0: Well, it's, it's what we said midweek like, he's the type of player that you don't miss until you haven't got them anymore, hence uh, Arsenal. You know, there was oh, a header that Aubameyang had today against Spurs. Quite comfortably see Olivier Giroud putting that in.
1: I'm going to rob you of the perfect segue to Arsenal-Spurs because there's still a couple of things with the Chelsea-League match we have to talk about. No, because, no, it's fine. Um, I have to say, Frank Lampard put it perfectly. And, you know, I know you criticize Kai Havertz for his performance. And you know he didn't have a flashy performance by any means, but you know Lampard said it I think perfectly. He said you know these are players who are coming from different countries and obviously under a lot of pressure just because we've put down a big price tag for them. Obviously I'm paraphrasing, but you know they have to. They still should be given time. And you know I know we were both, and me included, we both said Joao Felix nothing special. This season, he's turned up, and it took him a full season to turn up. For some reason, I'm sort of getting the same vibes from Kai Havertz and Timo Vanna. And, to an extent, Hakim Tsiyesh as well.
0: Okay, to counter that, what? You know, Bruno Fernandes hit the ground
1: running. Yeah, but... And he joined midway through a season. I'll give you that. But how many players do you see make an impact like that right off the bat? I mean, that's, there are a lot more players who need time to hit the ground running than players who pull an amazing job like Bruno Fernandes has done. Because, I mean, he's never really slacked for more than a match ever since he's joined United.
0: True. I get that. But these are... They're not see- they are seasoned professionals because they've been at the top level for a number of seasons. They do it in the Champions League or in the Europa League, and I don't know if I, you know, you got two thousand fans at the bridge yesterday, which is great in itself to have fans back in football stadiums. But if I was a Definitely. Chelsea fan in that stadium, seeing the seventy-five million wunderkind that we signed from Leverkusen, I'd be quite disappointed with Warsaw
1: underwhelmed
0: yeah over the course of the season as well like oh yeah he had those goals against barnsley cool it was against barnsley i'm not denying that there's talent there because we know that he's a good player i just don't know whether it's that chelsea thing where they've got money to spend so they spend it
1: I mean, arguably, he's being played out of position the whole time because well, he's part of a midfield three and he's not being played at a center-attacking mid position, where which is his preferred position.
0: Well, that's the thing. The ban gets lifted in January of this year. Yeah. End of January, uh, early February time, sorry, they signed Hakim Ziyech, whose best position, if you asked anyone at Ajax, number 10.
1: Yeah. Definitely.
0: So then why go and sign another number 10? Because you're going to have to play one of them out of position. And Frank Lampard's now ended up playing both of them out of position. And Timo Werner at left wing. Because he hasn't got a striker, you know, because Timo Werner isn't producing goals. So he's having to play Olivier Giroud there because Tammy Abraham isn't producing either.
1: And also the funny thing is that Vanna said no to Bayern partly because Bayern were most likely going to put him on the wing because there was no way he was going to get game time over Lewandowski. And, you know, he was like, well, I'm not going to go to Bayern just to play on the wing and play out of position. That's not fun. And now he's doing the exact same thing at Chelsea where he said, you know, I was very, very intrigued by the project that Frank Lampard had put in front of me. Same thing goes for Kai Havertz.
0: I don't know. And you are like our Chelsea fans oh we're top of the league we're top of the league it's not like you're not really top of the league because Liverpool and Spurs hadn't played at the time and and... I don't know they've got they're third in the table okay but
1: now with the fact that Liverpool have played by the way
0: yeah but I don't I'm gonna put myself out on a limb here and I'll probably get attacked for this but I don't think that Frankie's Fun Time Blues are going to get top four
1: because Ooh, you think the amount shout. of
0: chances that Timo Werner misses in a game. Sometimes in a big game, say if they when they play Spurs and Liverpool and United and City and even Leicester again. Sometimes in those games, you only get one chance, and if Timo Werner puts it wide, like he has done, okay good one you know there's only so many games frank lampard can go and try and draw
1: i'm going to give you a little stat to contradict your uh, argument there because chelsea are only second to liverpool in terms of goals scored with 25 goals in 11 games
0: yeah but who's sc- yeah but it's not it's not timo Werner scoring those goals they've had 13 different goal scorers that's why I'm saying they've got to play him out. yeah okay, you're not wrong.
1: Yeah, you're not wrong. Because fair you enough,
0: you can't play Christian Pulisic's left wing and Timo Werner through the middle because Timo Werner isn't scoring the goals that Olivier Giroud is.
1: Yeah, Olivier Giroud is just one of those classic number nines. Like he's just there where you need him, where he, where he should be.
0: You know, I like Timo Werner. I don't want to see him take a career route like. Alvaro Morata but there's got to be some point where you've got to say you need to start scoring goals or I can't play you anymore
1: yeah yeah it's hard to argue with that assessment but I think we've talked enough about Chelsea and we can move on to another scoring duo who is failing to produce and that is Lacazette and Aubameyang because Arsenal have yet again lost, and this is going to be a big, big question. But how long can we continue counting Arsenal towards the top six? Well, we can't. They're dumb. Succinctly put. Moving on.
0: Well, no, but you know what I mean. Like, so they're they're fifteenth in the league at the moment. Granted, they're only five points off sixth place, but in all honesty, Wolves are better than them at the moment. Southampton are better than them at the moment. I'd back Everton over Arsenal at the moment. West Ham on their they yeah, take, take their
1: chances. Even maybe Crystal Palace.
0: But, I mean, they did put five past work. Yeah, you know, Zahar on his day can tear anyone a new one.
1: And we don't even have to talk about... Jack. I mean, Jack Grealish alone already dismantled Arsenal, so...
0: <laughs> you know, going, going through that that Arsenal side that played today. Leno, not at it. Hector Bellerin, useless. Here in Tien- oh, Are we going
1: to really say, are we really going to say Leno not at it when he, you know, when he has to face a screamer like Son produced?
0: Yeah, okay. Some goals you can't save and it doesn't help having a lack of defense in front of him.
1: I was about to say, I think this goes. This always goes to the same thing. I think Leno, if he was playing in a team that was decent and not Arsenal, then he would probably do well.
0: You know, Mikel Arteta has tried the three at the back. It clearly doesn't work. No, it really doesn't. He doesn't have the centre-backs to play the back four because both Hector Bellerin and Kieran Tierney want to attack forward. What, are you going to leave Rob Holding and Gabriel exposed?
1: Yeah, that's a problem. If... In reality, you need to you need to get new fullbacks at Arsenal because the fullbacks they've got at the minute, as you rightly said, those are more wing backs that you would actually play in a three-five or a three-five-two or a three-four-three. They just don't they they just bomb forward too much.
0: And that's good. But I have you're, a big question. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry,
1: go on, go on. No, no, go ahead. Okay, my big question though. Mikael Arteta said at the at the end of the match, you know, I feel like we controlled the game for, you know, 70% of it, and the big problem was just that we didn't score the goals and you know, because we whipped in fifty-four crosses. Would you agree with that assessment? Because I'm slowly running out of arguments to you know, to back Arteta because you know, making making assumptions like that, or I mean assumptions making assessments like that when of those 54 crosses, I would say a good 35 of them came from, you know, half field or, and it's, and they weren't dangerous or in any dangerous areas. I mean, how much would you agree with that assessment? It's, it's one of those things. It's just a
0: manager trying to save face. And I don't think they controlled the game because if you controlled the game, you wouldn't have done exactly what Tottenham wanted you to do. Yeah, and that's you know, you know, that's get sucked in, try to break them down, lose the ball, get counted on twice.
1: I mean, it was a beautiful exhibition of Mourinho's style of play, and I think. I think it's great to see that Mourinho has, you know, found a club where his tactics are working and his team is doing exactly what he wants it to. And he's also got the players obviously to do so.
0: I, I said it a couple of weeks back. He's got his mojo back. He's found that he's found that gel, that mixture. And it helps having Harry Kane, who's arguably become one of the best number tens
1: in the league. (laughs) And we didn't think we would hear that one. We did. We, we, I mean, the beautiful thing is, Harry Kane scores today, assisted by Hong Ming Sun. Hong Sun scores today, assisted by Harry Kane. I mean, should that duo.
0: They're a great duo, and oh, I said this. I said this uh, in a work group chat and got absolutely hounded for it. <laughs> but unless they win something, they won't be one of the great duos. You know, they won't be that York and Cole won't be Shearer and Sutton.
1: I, I, I completely
0: agree. I wouldn't put it past Tottenham winning something this year. Probably Ooh. the
1: Europa League. Ooh, okay, okay. I think that that'll, I'll take that one from the promo clip. <laughs> <laughs> and as for the crosses into the box,
0: it means absolutely nothing. They might as well be passes. Because I, I can't remember the exact year, but United played Stoke at Old Trafford. And we crossed the ball into the box like 80-odd times. And we lost 1-0. It's like, okay, it clearly isn't working. Do something else. Yeah. I go back, I mean, and, I, I go back and I say it. If you had someone like an Olivier Giroud in the box, yeah. fine. Across I was the about ball. to say that. Exactly. Back when United had Fellaini, it was get the ball into the box for Marrow and Fellaini. Yeah. Plan B, Mikel.
1: There, is, there was none. There it was doesn't like help less. that your,
0: your best player, well, best player, again in inverted commas, your highest paid player, your club captain, ever since he signed that new bumper payday deal, it's just like a husk. He's just an sh- empty shell of a man. I don't know if you've seen the film Click with Adam Sandler in it.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah when he definitely. fast forwards,
0: it's like, what happens when I fast forward? Oh, you just coast through. It's yeah. just like on autoplay. That's what Yang is. He's just on autoplay.
1: Yeah, he, he, is, he has just become ineffective.
0: And yeah, cool. You beat Rapid Vienna 4-1 four, four, four midweek. Like it's Rapid Vienna. It's very different to Premier League teams. Yeah. And I, I was watching a talk sport clip this morning and it was some Arsenal fan phoning up and was like, oh, well, I don't think that Mikel Arteta is going to take us anywhere. If anything, we've gone backwards and he should get the sack because we're going to get relegated. <laughs> I, sat there, I was like, mate, are you all right? You won an FA Cup last year. And you think about it, it's like, hang on a minute. Yeah, he's kind of right. Like Mikel Arteta's has had two good games as Arsenal boss, and they were both last year. Like they were both last season.
1: I mean, do you also have to, at some point, look at you know, how many players has he got in that he actually wants from the board? Because Arsenal do have a notoriously tight board.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I was, it, Arsenal are not Man City. It's not like a Pep Guardiola situation where, oh, we need two new fullbacks. I'll go out and buy two new fullbacks. He's he's got he's got what he's got and he's got to work with it. And people say, "Oh, bring Mesut Ozil back in." No, because that's going to cause even more issues. Playing a player that clearly doesn't want to be there.
1: I don't know so much about doesn't want to be there, but it's just you know he he's been disrespected enough that he I um, don't think just doesn't he it just he doesn't care.
0: You know, going back through the years, you had Arsenal Arsenal teams that you used to hate playing against when they had Henri, when they had Burkamp, when you had Van Persie, Alexis Sanchez even when he first joined. And now it's like, well, there's no one in that team that... There's, there's no one in that team I'd have in my team.
1: There's, there's no one in that team that has you quaking in your boots when you think, mm, he's running out my goal. This is a bit problematic.
0: Mm, yeah, I don't want to see Yang- him playing. You know, Abamyang only scored because Paul Pogba gave him that penalty. You know, it was a stupid, brain-dead decision. And very few players miss from that, you know, from a penalty spot.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But, you know, Bakayi Saka will be a good player. But he's still um, quite young and still developing.
1: He's still young and developing and... What stunts, a develop, what stunts the development of a young player more than anything is when they have too much pressure on their shoulders. And I can already see it now. Arsenal's hopes are going to rest on this poor 18, 19-year-old because that's the only ray of hope they've got in that whole team.
0: It's sad. It really is because he, he could be such a great player and he looks really good when he gets going. William, there's a reason Chelsea didn't extend his contract.
1: Yeah, and now I think, I think Arsenal are going to be scratching their heads as to why they extended Aubameyang's contract.
0: Well, I don't. I think to extend a contract after a season has started is kind of bad of a bad move to make. You do it
1: as the season's a, ending,
0: after a great season, or as the season's coming to a close. You don't give a player what they want at the start of a season because then they can go, "Oh well, I can." kick back and relax now. I don't have to show the manager. I don't have to show the board. I'm worth so many hundreds of thousands of pounds a week.
1: Uh, you don't want to see it, and you'd, you'd expect more from a professional footballer, but at the end of the day, it still probably plays on their minds.
0: You, you talk about, can we count Arsenal for top six? Like well, At this nah. rate, they'll be lucky if they get top half. <laughs> I think yeah, if you're... Yeah if you're a team in the Premier League with genuine top six ambitions, you there's no way you should be going and getting Willian on a free from one of, your, one of your rivals. Because if he's allowed to leave on a free, there's clearly a reason why they're letting him leave.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. Leicester strengthened. West Ham strengthened. Everton. I mean, look at some of the players they've got in. I mean, they're not performing so well at the moment, but
1: still yeah I mean it's hard to argue with that assessment but before we end this episode time for a couple anecdotes I think one that'll make you very happy is, um, is the fact that well obviously it doesn't start out nice because West Ham fans thought they would uh, christen the comeback of fans to the Premier League with a round of booing when the players knelt for the Black Lives Matter as they've done so before every match. And, I mean, just just taking into consideration what kind of a brain-dead, stupid, stunted move that is from West Ham fans. You just have to say that I think United answered in the best way possible with three players of colour scoring the goals to uh, win United the match.
0: Great goals as well.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you just love to see it. You really do. do. And it
0: it was kind of a bit poetic because they booed Paul Pogba every time he touched the ball. I'm not saying they (laughs) booed him for that particular reason. I'm not saying that because they didn't boo anyone else. But that is what, people know Paul Pogba is capable of.
1: Yeah, definitely. But I mean, the, the thing that gets me about the booing of the black lives matter protests is because, is the fact that the, the people who boo that will say, Oh, I'm not, I'm not racist because you know, I, I'm booing the protest. I'm not booing them because they're black. It's like, well, you are racist because you're booing a protest against, you know, the brutalization of people of color. So if you have a problem with that, you kind of are racist do
0: you want to know something else that's quite funny millwall did the exact same thing in the game against derby all oh,
1: right and it just show, it just shows you how stunted today's society still is
0: and millwall lost the game as well
1: oh good thing too
0: but that's the thing like people put it on twitter like oh why are they doing that why are they doing that like
1: If you haven't gotten the message by now, I mean, come on, man. How dumb are you? So It's weird because the championship...
0: It's not a weird situation, but QPR don't kneel. Huh? Yeah, QPR don't kneel, but QPR have given their reason for not kneeling. It's because they see it as just some... some sort of, like, Organization, it's just ticking a box. It's just, oh yeah, we're showing that we support racism. We'll, we'll near and we'll do that. QPR do more racism. <laughs> oh no, but QPR do more for people of color than most Championship clubs.
1: And I mean, yeah, okay, that's all well and good, but I still think it's a good show or a good sign of solidarity because you know, if it, if it's showing, if you show that you know every club is doing so then it'll you know, reinforce the message that this is something that is still a very big issue in society. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. But, so here we go. So QPR's director of football, Les Ferdinand, who is a man of colour himself, has explained the club's decision not to take the knee since the beginning of the new season, saying the message behind the gesture of solidarity has been lost and reached a point of good PR, but nothing more than that. And Matt, you have to respect what, and that's, and Mill will put out a statement, like the Mill supporters group put out a statement saying, oh, we're with Les Ferdinand. We think it's a, we don't want football to become politicized. It's like, okay.
1: Um, I'm sorry. Don't there's, do it. Oh, that is, that is one of those things where it's just them clutching at straws and searching for, for an excuse. To have a problem with uh, with the protest, because QPR's director Les Ferdinand has given a a very I mean, it is put it this way. I don't completely agree with his view, but I can respect it, and I see where he's coming from, and I see what that, and I see you know the reasoning behind it, and it's still logical. Millwall's Millwall supporters group. I'm sorry, but you know. <laughs> have a day off man like come on that's just that's just you searching for an excuse to be racist one last
0: thing i said we were gonna touch on the effect that covid has on footballers so you know i've been relatively critical of paul pogba in the past few weeks and months
1: (laughs) relatively (laughs) well
0: people in general have been very critical of paul pogba Mm -hmm. just across his career since he rejoined United. yeah, but It's easy to forget. So he had COVID. And me and you know people that have had it, and we know the effects that it's had. So when it comes to a footballer coming back into playing elite-level sport, he, so Paul Bobby, he played 90 minutes against West Ham, and he said this, so the first game of the season, I couldn't run. I was trying. I spoke with the manager. I will start the game. Let's see. But I was out of breath and it took me a long time to get back. And I mean, fair play for coming back and playing when you can't breathe. Yeah. He's a scapegoat for a lot of people. And sometimes he does play like utter garbage. But against West Ham, there was that. Hang on. We know you can do this. It was a controlled performance. It was a, well, it was Paul Pogba. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to spend ages on this. It's just, hopefully, now we're back. Now, you know, now he's back fit. And hopefully other players that do have it, there'll be that sort of extra bit of leniency from fans going, oh, well, look at him. He's crap. Give him a break. He can't breathe right.
1: Yeah, I mean is it, this was touching on something I I said a couple of weeks ago um when we when we were talking about Liverpool and you know Mo Salah do we know if he's really going to be back after 2 weeks or if he's going to have some lasting effects. And I think this highlights it perfectly because no one knows what effects this will, this virus will have and it's hard to just Foresee any complications that any player can have, and just because they're fit doesn't mean they're completely immune from any lasting effects,
0: exactly. But there's a a vaccine on the horizon, so let's hope that it's all going to be back to some normality in the near future. But that's all we've got time for this week, guys.
1: Don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, share, do your thing on social media. Thanks so much for listening. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.